Hello and welcome into the Mavs Draft Podcast. My name is Jared alongside Mr. Mavs Draft, Richard Stamen. How are we doing today? Pretty good. Good to be uh, back on this again. How, how have you been? I've been busy, but uh, I'm glad as well that we're uh, hopefully going to be back into a rhythm here soon. School's wrapping up for us uh, next week, so I'm hoping that we'll be able to uh, uh, kind of get back to uh, a regular, um, you know, regular rotation of recording here. Uh, pardon my alliteration. Um, so we got a couple, a uh, couple role players, uh, high-level role players that that we'll be able to talk about today. Um, being Arkansas's Moses Moody and Gonzaga's Corey Kispert, and I think those guys have um, have some similarities, uh, which is what'll be. You know, kind of nice, uh, nice to talk about, um, but also they're very different players. Yeah, so I mean, Moses Moody probably is going to go first and has the more high upside role too as a forward with long arms and everything. Like, and we'll get to them more in detail. But Kispert offers probably the a little bit different, the extremely high floor and the elite trait. So it's a good, it's a little, a little uh, give and take on them, you know. Yeah, it definitely depends on what you're looking for. Obviously, Moody just being a freshman, uh, Kispert being a four-year player at Arkansas, both offer elite three-point shooting. Um, but, you know, obviously you're going to get more defense from Moody. Um, I think maybe you get um, more consistent shooting from Kispert. But we'll we'll jump into, um, into these two guys um, in depth here. Uh, you want to go ahead and start with uh, Moody? Yeah, yeah, so let's let's do Moses. You have the stats ready? I do. So Moses Moody, I've got him at uh 6'6, 205 with a seven foot wingspan, which is ridiculous. Uh 19-year-old freshman. Uh this year, uh, for a very good Arkansas team, played in almost 34 minutes a game, uh, shot 42, uh, almost 43% from the field. Uh, 36% from three, 81% from the line, uh, almost 17.6 rebounds, an assist and a half, a steal, and 0.7 blocks per game to just 1.6 turnovers uh, as well. Um, so uh, let's let's start with the shooting because I think that's probably going to be offensively. I think that'll be his most impactful uh, skill. Um, and I, I think he's better than that 36% indicates. Yeah, easily. I mean, the form is there. There's really no flags on the shooting. I think he's one of the safest shooters in the league, uh, just because that jump shot form, you know, not broken. It's very smooth. I think it'll translate. He can score from deep, you know, his spot up, he ranked in the 78th percentile from three and spot ups. That was, uh, on 151 shots. So that's really good. Efficient from three, I think, like you said, the 36% just doesn't do it justice, but it's projectable. It'll, you know, he can deep, he can score from deep, he can score at the three-point line, score at the corners, and score from really all five three-point spots, too. Yeah, I agree. I, I think if I have one gripe, uh, it felt a little inconsistent this year. Uh, he felt sort of streaky, uh, and when he was on, he was really on. Um, but when he was off, he just couldn't buy a bucket and that's going to happen, you know, especially to freshmen. Um, I'm not really going to hold it against him, but I think that's what kind of separates Moody from the, you know, 
elite of the elite three-point shooters. Yeah, and the NCAA tournament did him no justice. I mean, from conference tournament to the NCAA tournament, he shot 23% from three. That's a horrible ending. And in the NCAA tournament, he only made three threes in four games. That's not good. So it did not leave a good How many attempts do you have that? Let me check that one second. I can do the averages besides some quick math. Um, whoops, sorry. It's Moses right. Give me one second. <laughs> sorry if I'm a wrong player. Uh, so in the NCAA, he took, uh, just at a quick glance, 17 threes. And so made three. three of 17. Yeah, and then combined that with 13 in the conference tournament. So he, made, he took 30, went seven of 30. Okay, not ideal. No. And, and like I said, when people are watching the most – it probably leads to a sour taste. And one other thing with the shot, actually, I know I said there really no flaws in the mechanics or anything. I do think he moves a little bit too much on the base. You know, the, the upper release is outstanding, but the base could be, you know, less, I don't want to say herky-jerky, but, like, it, it does have some unnecessary movement. It feels like he kicks sometimes, things like that. Yeah, and I think when, when you're talking about the lower body movement, um, the way I always try to explain it is the, the less you move, the better. Uh, the more compact um, and the more consistent your motion can be, the better. Because at the end of the day, shooting is just all about um, muscle movement and repetition, right? And if you're really good at it, you're going to repeat that same motion over and over and over. It's almost like a pitcher uh, in baseball where they they want a, a repeatable delivery. It's the same sort of thing. You want a guy who from at least the waist up is going to um, – is going to be consistent. You know, things can change regarding footwork, whether they're hopping into it um, or kind of going to a one-two or if they're coming off a screen or a dribble handoff, your lower half's going to be a little bit different. But ideally, even if your lower half is is doing different things, your upper body is remaining the same. Um, but if you're at a standstill and you're you're kicking your legs out and, and doing all these things, it's just harder to get your upper body to stay where it needs to be. Um, So that's, you know, if if you're ever wondering about that, that's why Richard brings that up. Yeah. And as someone who has always struggled with the constant struggle, you know, shooting the ball in real life, it always starts to like, if you, I mean, really, if you talk to anybody, any shooting coach, so like, like actually not a, not a, you know, amateur, uh, they will say, you know, it starts at the base. Any shooting coach will say you shoot with your legs. You don't shoot with your arms. It's like, in, in the least literal way. So right. Base matters. It's all For about sure. Base. It's all about that base. No trouble. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. So, um, you know, how, how do you project him um, as, as an offensive player outside of kind of a, a catch and shoot guy? Yeah, I think he's pretty complete, you know, decent finisher at the rim probably could improve there being only 58% at the rim, but he can put the ball on the floor. I don't know how his handle is. I, I'm very neutral on it. I think it can really depend on the game. He can play bigger than his size, you know, being he can play to that 7-1 wingspan almost and play down low, kind of take contact. I think he can get to the rim at ease. Again, that length really helps him finish over guys. I think that's a toughness thing, mental thing for him to get. 
But overall, as an offensive player, I think he has the mold to be that modern wing. You know, 6'6", fits that. You know, 7'1", wingspan kind of makes up for the lack of great size at 6'7 to 6'9 that you want from a wing. But he just, he screams potential of three-level score with two-way potential. So I know I'm jumping the gun on the defense, but offensively, that three-level scoring is what you want from a wing. Yeah, I think I have a few concerns about him as a scorer. You talked a little bit about the issues finishing. Um, it's interesting because I think he's plenty strong, uh, especially in the upper body. Um, and you would expect somebody who shoots as well as he does, again, 81% from the line, uh, 36% from three on five attempts per game. Uh, that's somebody that I would expect to, and by the way, he got to the line at almost six times per game too. Um, so he was, he was getting to the line frequently and converting at a, at a really solid clip. It's just somebody that you expect to finish at a higher rate than he does given his strength and his touch. Um, so again, it could be a mental thing like you mentioned, but, but just something that I would keep an eye on, um, one thing I really like is his ability to attack closeouts, too. I, I think it opens things up for him as a shooter even more because if you can also attack a hard closeout uh, and get to the rim in a dribble or two, it, um, it in some ways I think it makes the defense kind of uh, question if they want to completely run you off the line uh, because then they don't want to give up a an easy basket at the rim and he, he doesn't have the quickest first step or anything but uh I, I think i've seen enough of him you know shot fake uh either dribble pull up or get all the way to the basket um and just a couple of dribbles um so i think from that aspect uh you know i think he he definitely checks those boxes yeah i mean like you said getting to the line is a pretty big indicator too of for especially for wings, that's a huge sign. You don't want to see him at two to four free throws a game. Six is really good. And I think even in the NCAA tournament, that's it. I got to keep this page up of, uh, of his game walk. But even in, yeah, even in the NCAA tournament, I mean, from the conference tournament on, he was averaging six. And if you take out the one game against Missouri where he, aver- where he had one, it jumps, all, it jumps a whole number up to seven. Like he had 12 against LSU. He had five against Colgate, only two against Tech. Oral Roberts, he had seven, and Baylor, he had eight. Like, that's really impressive, and, and a lot of those teams were actually really good defenses. Yeah, especially Baylor. <laughs> yeah, Baylor and Tech were the two, because he was going against Terrence Shannon, who's a great defender, too. So, yeah. like, it, it's, there's a lot of promise there. For sure. Um, you also talked about the handle. You know, I don't, I don't think it's anything to write home about, but, you know, he's not Danny Green either, like where <laughs> he puts the ball on the floor one time, and it's like, eight rows into the stands. Yeah. Yeah. He's like I said, I'm very neutral on it. I don't really have an opinion one way or the other. I don't know if he's ever going to cross someone up or really have tight handles to break someone down to the rim. But I, I'd also don't think he's going to be Stanley Hudson, you know, like just dribbling the ball <laughs> one handed. So, yeah, I, I do think tightening up that handle opens up, some some more options for him offensively maybe to um to add a little step back to his game uh and and create a little bit of space as a mid-range shooter um and i think until he does that he's probably a little more limited as a scorer to a uh, a shooter slasher uh type of threat uh, and not really somebody who's going to create with the ball in his hands but again 
that kind of player offers a lot to offenses who already have their playmakers in place, especially with what he brings on the defensive side of the ball. Yeah, I mean, he's a he, the reason like I, I'm kind of skipping around here, but the reason I would take him top 10 is just because he fits every offense, especially in this modern NBA. Like you can figure out a role for him one way or the other in. And I don't think teams should overthink it. If he fits into anything, he's a glue. He's glue, you know. So so in a perfect world, um, where where are you trying to slot him into a lineup? So. You know, we're going to talk about our best fits. I think the best one is absolutely New Orleans. Say that they run Zion in a big, right? And then Ingram. You could easily, or even Zion at big and then Ingram somehow small ball power forward like they've done. You could put Moses Moody in that lineup. It complements every, and, you know, say they keep Lonzo Ball or whoever they have. You can put Moses Moody in there. I don't see how he makes anything worse and it can only be better because he plays off ball offensively, plays good defense, you know, and, I don't know. I feel like that kind of actually plays to his game pretty well. So, but, so is, is he a guy you're comfortable putting at the two or is he a three, four for you? Yeah, I would see. I don't think he can be. A, I'm hesitant to label him a four. I have him as a two, three, probably three first. Mostly he's one of the rare guys who I feel like he's mostly a small forward, like a true small forward in that way. But like, I'd rather play him down. I think you get a lot more out of him that way. Unless you're going small ball, unless it's like a, a small ball lineup, then I would put him four. I, I actually disagree. I, I think uh, he's he's a three four for me. I, just because I I don't trust the ball handling enough to to have him as as a two guard. Yeah. Um, and I think defensively it suits him better playing up than down. Because, yeah, he's only 6'6", but his arm, I mean, we talked about it's a plus six wingspan. Seven feet is insane. Um, and I think he's really strong. And I, I think he'll have a better time guarding fours and other small ball fours and guys who could stretch the floor that way than guarding down and having to deal with um, with quicker twos. Yeah. Like, like, I'd rather, like if I have to have him guard either a Kawhi or a Bradley Beal, I feel more comfortable having him on a Kawhi. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah, because in my head, I I was thinking someone like DeAndre Hunter, right? Really good body, uh, improved this year, obviously didn't play that much. Or someone like Zach Levine. And it felt like Zach Levine, like in my head, I'm thinking, you know, DeAndre can bully him a little bit more. I feel like even though he, like Moses is strong, I just feel like the finesse, favors uh favors moses more than like a a bully ball kind of style okay that's fair uh we don't disagree a ton but it's fun when we do wow yeah i think we have to fight now <laughs> yeah come catch these hands richard i'll be here Amy and temecula <laughs> wow i haven't heard that line in forever <laughs> That's actually Moses Moody's hometown. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> what if? What if? I'm looking now. No, it's not. It's Little Rock. It's not. <laughs> Explains why he went to Arkansas. Yeah. I also just realized he was part of that Stat Montverde uh, team. Yep. With um, Cade and uh, Scotty Barnes and all those guys. Ridiculous. Just crazy that, like, that's allowed that they can all play at the same high school. <laughs> Can you imagine facing them? 
Like, imagine putting that team in the NCAA tournament. <laughs> I mean, they're they're not like top tried. to bottom as good as an as a as a college team, but if you just take like the starting five, they'd compete. That's so crazy. They'd really compete. Um. Okay, so um, we we've talked about Moody as this three and D kind of prospect. Um, so let, let's go into a little more detail on the defense. So you said you, I guess you like his feet more than I do if you're comfortable playing him down. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's exactly it. I think he can create turnovers a little bit better. Uh, I actually, I don't think the turnovers thing is going to re- matter regardless of position a ton. I think he just has great hands. Like the length helps a lot too. And then I, I, yeah, I trust his feet. I think he can recover pretty well. That's always a big thing that I look for, and especially a freshman. So I, I think he would be better suited against, I guess, smaller wings, you know, than bigger wings just because of that foot speed and, like, the lack. I think, again, I think his game just favors finesse over strength in terms of defending those caliber players. Okay. I, I truly think he's tailor-made for this kind of, uh, you know, like this new age um the hybrid forward that um, so like the Mavs, for example, have a really tough time guarding this kind of player um, because you have like Finney Smith isn't quite quick enough uh, or, or, or strong enough. Really? He isn't quite strong enough and Maxi isn't quite quick enough. Um, and I feel like Moody is a solid blend where he has, more strength than you would anticipate. He's obviously got the length, and I think he's got enough quickness to deal with that. I Could he play down to twos? I think he could. I just don't personally think it's the best use of his skill set. Um, uh, to me, that I would want him guarding these, these forwards that are kind of matchup problems, and I, and I think he's kind of tailor-made to stop them. Um, but one way or another, uh, we both think that he'll be an impact defender at the next level, um, both on and off the ball. Uh, like you mentioned, the length to disrupt, um, you know, average close to two combined steals and blocks per game. Um, so to me, that's why as much as I love Corey Kispert, you know, that's my guy. I think that when when you add in Moody's defensive impact, I think think I'm ready to to put him ahead of of Kispert finally. Uh, I know I'm late to the party there. Um but I I think give me the extra um the extra defensive ability over the um the gap in shooting. Because I, I think Moody's a good enough shooter that he's a guy if you if you leave him open in in the corner on the wing wherever he's going to make you pay yeah i mean think about it like the league average this year was like 37 something percent from three would you be really shocked if moses moody shot 38 percent let's just start like say that's a baseline like just above average this year like if he shoots 38 percent from three i think that's a very realistic target plus playing at least say neutral defense would you rather have that or Kispert's like, say he shoots 43%, but is a negative on defense. You know, it might be a trade-off where it almost zeroes out. Well, I mean, 43% is like, like 
incredibly elite because I mean, what like who? Let, let's see, three. Well, actually, this year a good amount. It's because that average is rising. A good amount of people are hitting forty three percent. I mean, Tony Snow was fifty fifty a hundred or whatever. <laughs> Yeah, I'm just looking. He shot 57% from how? <laughs> Dude, they played perfectly to his strengths. <laughs> uh, no, I just want this year. Yeah, if you, there, I think there's like 15. I want to say, I can't, I'm going to look stupid in one direction or the other, but I'm pretty sure there are like over 15 guys that shot over 40%. Like Kyrie was 50, 40, 90. I, I should know this off. Okay, so Tony Snell didn't really qualify. But. <laughs> um, but, yeah, Joe Harris, 47. Marcus Morris, 47. Bobby Portis, 47. Yeah, Bobby Portis is good. Um, okay, so, yeah, I mean, 43%. That, that's what Desmond Bain shot this year. Um, so, okay, yeah, I think 43% is realistic then. Yeah, it's crazy the percentage keeps rising, though, which is kind of why you want Moses Moody to be able to hit, like, you want him to start at that average level. Like, and I think that's, I think it's incredibly realistic. I don't think, I think it's almost a low bar. Like, it's a very low bar to clear. If he's not clearing that rookie year, I'd be kind of concerned, to be honest. Yeah. Uh, okay, so, all right, so where, where do you have him ranked on your board? Uh, do you have a board at this point? I'm assuming you do. Oh, yeah, yeah. So I have him currently ranked number seven. Okay. What What's your top seven look like? So my top seven is I got some. I got a hot one. He's right behind Jalen Green. So you already know what's coming. Uh, Cade Cunningham, Evan Mobley, Jalen Suggs, who was our last episode, Jonathan Kuminga, James Book Knight, Jalen Green, and Moses Moody. Okay. Book Knight. Five. Mm-hmm. Okay. I, I think he's Zach Levine 2.0. I fully buy into him. All right. Well, we'll have to touch on him next uh, next time. Oh, gladly. Um, and so you talked about New Orleans as a fit. Uh, where else uh, could you see Moody ending up that, that makes in my sense? Head, in my head, I've always seen him as a Sacramento King, which they have the same record as the Pelicans. Um Orlando could be one. They also have the same odds as the Pelicans and uh, Kings. Toronto would be good. I mean, my dream in my in my mock draft I just put out on Monday, I put Golden State at six. I would take him that high personally, just because he is a perfect fit right there. And at the very best, at the very very best, you get a and this is not a comparison. You get a Clay Thompson type next to uh, Steph, or you know, just as a building block, being that three and D doesn't have to dribble a lot. You could make him fit the same system. Non, he won't be as good. That is a ridiculously high standard. I'm just going to outright say that he will not be as good as Clay Thompson. Uh, but <laughs> I think that that six to ten range is a really strong range for him. At the worst, if he makes it to San Antonio, I hate being a Maps fan because I would not <laughs> want to see that guy Zion another. Like I don't know that in Vassell in the perimeter is just unfair defensively. Yeah. Um... Is there a player comparison that you like? No. <laughs> I, I <laughs> no. can't. 3 and D guys are the hardest ones for me to come up with a comparison because it's always like, right? Yeah, everyone says Danny Green. They say Robert Covington. Like, they say the same guys. Like, there's only so many 3 and D guys. So, I don't know. At the 
I, I truly think that his high end upside, if he gets a handle, I truly believe he could be. And this is a ridiculously high standard, so I'm going to tone it down a bit. But I think if he if he gets a better handle, and I'm talking like a big jump in handle, the same way Harrison Barnes really increased his handle. I think he could be a baby Paul George. I don't think he's going to ever reach Paul George what he is now or ever has been, but like a light Paul George light. Okay. High expectations, I know, but that wing mold is just such a high upside play that I would bank on something like that. Like, I mean, if you play, if you had 75% of Paul George, you're still getting a really good player. Yeah, for sure. Um, what about like a Cam Johnson type? I could see that. Cam Johnson's so weird, though, because in my head, I just think, you know, because like, they're like six years apart. <laughs> Two draft classes, six, four or five. <laughs> might be five. Yeah, well, Johnson's uh, 24, I think. 25. 25. He just turned 25 in March. Yeah, so, it's... Yeah, six years apart. <laughs> maybe Mikhail... I mean, at a very, very high end, Mikhail Bridges. That, that's actually probably the most realistic... High end. He would be great on defense and great at shooting. But I think the defense won't be that. Shall we move on? Yep, let's do it. All right, so I know we've talked about Kispert several times. We talked about him on the Locked On pod um, when you had me on. Um, So I don't want to spend, like, a ton of time on him, but we also haven't really done a deep dive. Um, So Kispert this year... um, Again, he was a senior, but this year averaged uh, 32 minutes a game, shot 53% from the field, including 63% from two-point range, 44% from three on six-and-a-half attempts per game, uh, 88% from the line on three attempts, 18.6 points, five rebounds, uh, 1.8 assists, 0.9 steals, 0.4 blocks. Um the shooting's been there the past two years. He's been a 44% three-point shooter. Um, so where where are you with Kispert? Yeah, so I I was not a Kispert believer a year ago. I remember I was with uh, our good friend, Arizona Sports Zone, and Derek Murray. I was with them, and they were talking about how Kispert, if he declared last year, he would be an early second. I'm like, I don't know. Like, Yeah, he shoots well, but does he do anything else? And then this year, just horribly wrong. I... I love what he has done as a finisher. He really stood out. He started using, he started dunking more, really just dunking. I really don't remember a ton ton of dunks last year. Went to 75% at the rim. And I, you know, I always talk about this. I don't know if you remember this last year, but for me, a big benchmark, I think these guys are almost always a staple. Um, They stick around. If you hit 70% at the rim and you can hit 40% from three, elite combination of both. Corey Kispert checks out and he clears both those benchmarks with flying colors. So I I think he's more complete than just a three-point shooter. Yeah, so, well, let's start with the three-point shooting because there's high-level three-point shooters and then there's elite three-point shooters. And I know he kind of struggled in the tournament, particularly in that last game against Baylor. Um, But to me... There's, again, four years of evidence. There's enough body of work for me to say, um, you know, he's he's in that Desmond Bain, uh, you know, Clay Thompson tier of guys who when they came out, you were like, yeah, he's a shooter and a, a damn good one. I mean, it's not hard to 
figure out he's the best shooter in the draft. Even, even with two terrible shooting games in the final four and even a bad shooting game against USC, he still shot 42% from three. Right. For, and then See, that, it's it's, it's really time. weird. You watch and you're like, you're like, oh, he, he's having kind of an off night. And then you look at the box score and you're like, well, he was like three for seven. That's not bad. <laughs> no, it's because I, I genuinely think it's because one, the release is so quick that like you look away for a second and he scored. So like something like that, I think it kind of tricks you, you know, like it's just such a fast release that it really could deceive you. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, like a casual person, just like, you know, casually watching. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the, the shooting's elite. We know from a catch and shoot situation, he's going to be deadly. Um, so he's not going to be left alone. Um, that shooting gravity is going to be there, you know, similar to uh, Joe Harris, Reddick uh, back in the day. Um, Bain. Uh, Corver, Bain right now. Um you know, some of these really high-level shooters uh, that, that NBA teams won't leave in the corner. And that has that can pay huge dividends because it really opens up the driving lane for other players. Um, I don't think we talk enough about shooting gravity in today's NBA and what it really means, but there's a reason that, you know, Brian Windhorst is talking about Duncan Robinson getting $20 million this offseason per year potentially. Um, and he had a you know down year, and again by Duncan Robinson's standards, that was like what like four, still like forty one percent from three. So yeah, he was absurd. And the only thing that separates those kind of guys, I think the the skill that gets you that gravity is that if you can hit it so quick in one motion off of a dribble handoff, that's what Reddick and Robinson do. That like they have Bam to set it up. You know, Reddick in the day even had Dwight, he had Embiid. He had whoever you wanted the name. He had those guys do those great screens, immediate pop. And I haven't seen a ton of that from Kispert, but it's very believable. Like if you've watched him play, it's very obvious he will develop that. That's not something most players come into the league with anyways. Right. 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 And and he was he was more likely to attack out of a handoff, which is great to see that he could do that, too. Um but I, I, like you said, I do wish there was some of that just come come right off the handoff, you know, turn your feet, get the shot off, um, and, and walk the other way with three points. Um, so we know he's going to shoot. He's going to shoot at a really high level. Uh, there is still some improvement as far as that, you know, dribble handoff stuff. Um, but where else do you, do you see him scoring? Yeah, I mean, I again, I think he can score as a cutter and kind of he's not ever going to beat someone. He's not going to isolate and clear out and all that stuff one on one. But I think if you set him up for a decent look where he just has to take one dribble in the paint kind of thing, I think you can win there. I don't think it's necessarily going to create a lot of points per night, but it is a winnable area and it adds to the total. You know, I think it's still a majority of his shots will be three point shots, but. Yeah, I, I agree. I think he's a high-level thinker. I don't think he moves as well as as Redick does. Redick is, I mean, to be fair, Redick is one of the best off-ball shooters I've ever seen. Um, but when 
you can't when you're that level shooter you can't camp out in the corner or else you're never going to get looks uh you have to keep the defense honest with some backdoor cuts and what's nice is that that kispert's got the length six seven i didn't even talk about that um that, yeah, that he, he is uh he's six seven two twenty uh he's a big guy he, uh he's got pretty decent bounce um he's a good finisher at the rim like you talked about so that's a threat too so you can't fall asleep and and just say hey i'm just gonna kind of hang out in the corner and make sure my guy doesn't catch the ball um he is going to look for those cuts and and when he gets the ball with a head of steam going to the basket uh he's he's got a good chance to finish yeah and he can if you bite on a fake on a catch and shoot he can hit that one dribble pull up which makes me confident that you know he can hit those mid-range shots that's probably how most of them will come and also like he can shoot over defenses like being six seven there's a contest from if it's a not a center or, or not a big man i guess he can pretty much, I mean, he'll rise up and shoot over you. It's because it's and it's not even because he's like he jumps high on the shot, whatever. It's literally because he's tall and he has a quick release. I mean, like I said, that that thing is lightning fast. Yeah. And and obviously that's where his his bread and butter is gonna be offensively. Um I I do feel like there were some times where he um he made some pretty good reads as a passer as well. Um He's not going to find himself in a ton of situations there at the NBA level, um, but just something to to keep in mind that I think he's an unselfish player. I think he, uh, again, is a smart player. He sees the floor well, um, and it's just another positive attribute. Yeah, I mean, he had some games where I, I wish I had taken a video of it, but like against Iowa, like you look at some of the biggest games of the year, he had six assists against Iowa. He had five against UCLA in that NCAA tournament game where, like I said, two of eight from three, but still found a way to be effective with 15 points, of course. Had three assists against Virginia, three against BYU, three against Auburn, West Virginia. Or No, sorry, that was two. But like he finds a way to get passing. I don't think he's ever going to be like a creative passer by any means. He's not going to you know, make a Luka-esque pass by any means. But if you ever need him to – like you can trust him to keep the ball – going in the rotation of the offense and not screwing it up. Like, I don't know what his turnover numbers were. Um, I shouldn't have X'd out of the page. Uh, I have it. I have it. Uh, 1.3 per game. He never averaged more. He never hit one and a half. Like, he first two years, not even one. Yeah, that's insane. And especially because his usage was decent around the 20 mark almost for the last two years. He's, he's reliable. And he also just doesn't take chances. And I think that has to account for something. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I think the area I'd like to see improvement. Um, and frankly, I'm just not sure we're going to get there because I, I don't feel great about the first step quickness or the handle. Um, it would be adding some type of shooting off the dribble. Um, but I just don't think it's super realistic for, for his skill set. Um, anything else offensively you wanted to, to talk about there? No, and, and I mean, he can hit moving shots, which matters. Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, the only times he's going to hit off the triple are probably off of fakes. For sure. Um, okay, so defensively. Um, definitely not on Moses Moody's level. Um, <laughs> but, but where are you with Kispert defensively? So my projection for him in the NBA, I think Gonzaga kind of, being at Gonzaga helped him a lot defensively. 
both in individual development because he he makes great rotations. You know, he's never going to you don't have to worry about him being out of place necessarily because of IQ. He might be out of place because of, you know, quickness and things like that. He just may not be able to get the spots quick enough. For me, I project him to be somewhere in between below average defensively, but like a tier below or excuse me, a tier above like a liability. He's not going to be a liability. He's just he's I'd very be very surprised if he's a positive. You have to build the right you have to have the right lineups around him to neutralize him, but also his defensive position, probably not going to be guarding the best player at any point, barring switches. Right. And I think he's going to be a tough player to just switch on to because of who he's going to be guarding. Um, like you're going to have to, to run some, some screens with, you know, like a one, three screen or one, two screen, which happens, um, but I, I think where, where Kispert, um, has some saving grace is again, he's six, seven to 20. Um, you're not going to see him get completely bullied. And while he doesn't have the lateral quickness to, to hang with guards, um, he does have the length to have some type of recovery, in that regard, again, it's not ideal, um, but he's got a couple of built-in um, safeguards, so to speak, you know, because of his his physique that um, that I think prevent him from becoming that liability that that you were talking about. Right, right. I mean, and he's also got the mental aspect. I think. Again, being at Gonzaga really helped him out in learning the rotations because they play pretty much exactly how the NBA does on defense, and really all around. But yeah, I think it, it really helps him on the defensive end. For sure. Um, smart off-ball defender, good team defender. Yep. Uh, but like you said, uh, is he going to have the um, the athletic ability to be where he knows he needs to be? Um, and And hopefully he's able to think the game quickly enough that that he can get to those spots uh, in spite of some physical limitations. Um, I also think he's a decent rebounder for for what he is. Um, you're not typically going to see those kinds of players dominate the glass, but you know, five rebounds a game in college when you're sharing the court with a guy like Drew Timmy uh, is is pretty solid and and strong rebounding guards like Joella Yayi and uh and Jalen Suggs too. Yeah, and rebounding translates too. It's the easiest thing to translate to the NBA. Yeah. Bad and shooting. Yeah. For the <laughs> most yeah. For the most part. I mean I I think he's gonna be a guy who, especially if you put him on switches, he'll get long rebounds too. I think that's just kind of in his nature because those were the like a lot of kind of like you said, a Yayi and Suggs, really good rebounders. But which left Kispert when, you know, those two guys stuck near the rim. They always wanted the ball so they could bring the ball up the floor themselves. Right. And I think having Kispert as a long rebounder when teams try and inevitably make him switch, he can beat guys out on long rebounds. Just kind of an effort thing, you know. Right. Um, Okay, so you had Moody 7. Where do you have Kispert? So I've I've been trying. I keep telling myself, I'm like, you know, he has some – he doesn't have a lot of standout areas necessarily. You know, obviously I've talked about outside of shooting, which is why I was so high on Desmond Bain because he did 
But I'm not overthinking best shooter in the class. I have him 15th. I think that's a very safe outcome. It kind of accounts for the star upsides that's around him. And then, uh, you know, he's a safe player. He's not going to be worse than the 20th player in the draft. That is a worst-case scenario is 20th. Yeah. I think 15 is a very fair ranking because I think when you talk about the draft and and you talk about, you know, you have a general big board. You're not trying to fit this for a specific team. Um, there are situations where you'll look at a team and be like, um, you know, the Pelicans, if they're picking ninth or 10th, and Moody's off the board, um, they need guys who could space the floor, who can shoot. They value a guy like Corey Kispert much more, plus he's ready to contribute right now. Um, and and you're going to get those Desmond Bain-type numbers where you're going to put him in an NBA rotation right away. He'll play 20 to 25 minutes a night, and he's going to shoot the hell out of the ball. Um and then there are other teams that are going to say uh, we need to hit or, or we need to, to to swing the bat on some talent. You know, we'd rather take a shot on Zaire Williams, maybe. Uh, we'd rather take the shot on uh, yeah, Jalen Johnson, uh, Keon Johnson, right? So, so some of these higher ceiling guys um, because they have the rotational guys, right? They need to hit on that next level. So I think 15 is is a really fair ranking when you're, again, you're you're just looking at them as a, like, in a vacuum. Yeah, and if I'm building on a team board, there's a lot of teams where he is in my top 10. New Orleans, like you said, is one. Sacramento is another. Uh, honestly, Orlando, same teams as Moody. A lot of those teams, that's where that window opens. I don't think I would take him at seven. I think that's kind of a reach for a high floor player. But, I mean, to kind of segue into it, you can. I think every single team, eight through 20, should be looking at him. I think the inevitable four-year guy doesn't offer a lot out of shooting, you know, not great athlete. He's a really high floor, really doesn't get a lot better in terms of star upside, which is stupid because I think if you look at how, like we talked about, his ability to – if he grows that ability to shoot off of screens like J.J. Redick and Duncan Robinson, that almost that gap from floor to ceiling grows because of that. It's such an invaluable skill that only a handful of guys can do in the league. I mean, there's I, I genuinely think you can count on one hand how many players can shoot off of screens like that. Yeah, it's pretty rare. Um, I also like it. Uh, sorry, Indiana. If they yeah, lose um, McBuckets in the in the off season, I think not only would you replace him with Kispert, but I think ultimately it would be an upgrade. I just think Kispert can do a little more than than Doug can right now. So actually, that's who I was. That's who I have as a comparison, especially since this year. And I, I hate comparing just that white guy to white guy thing, but like <laughs> they actually have very similar skill sets too. With Doug McDermott improved his interior scoring and ability to score off the dribble, things like that. I think McDermott this year was a very good outcome for Corey Kispert. He's a guy who I wouldn't be shocked if he hits 10 million this summer. He's going to be a rotation piece. He's probably going to be in the league seven to 10 more years. There's a long career for him. If you got a Doug McDermott, like he's a top 20 in a 2014 redraft or 2015, whichever year it was. Um, I think it was 2014. Now, now I'm questioning myself, but irrelevant. He's a top 20 return on investment. Same thing as Kispert. Offers, like I said, the improved scoring outside of three-point shooting. 
he's a rotation piece. And I, I actually, every single mock is going to, I feel like it's going to have Kispert to Indiana. It's just a match made in heaven. Uh, by the way, uh, McDermott was the 11th pick in 2014. Okay, good. I should have trusted my gut. <laughs> I knew yeah, he sounded wrong. I, I think McDermott, uh, Duncan Robinson uh, are fair comparisons somewhere in that range. Uh, but more importantly, let's get uh, McDermott back to Dallas so he could shoot like 50% from three again. Man, he was a perfect fit in this offense. <laughs> yeah, he, he shot 49%. In 26 games with Dallas, that wasn't a fluke. Three it was a fluke by five percent. What he shot then was not a fluke. It was a fluke by five percent at most. I don't think that if you, I think if you kept him around with, you look at what Tim Hardaway is doing right now, as in Kristaps Porzingis are doing. They're both having career offensive efficiency numbers. Doug McDermott would have easily been able to stick around, and I think he will do it if he signs back. Forty-five percent from three. I Let's think that's a very achievable goal. Run it back, Dougie. Run it back. Um, I think that's it, right? That's, I believe, all I got. I meant to ask you, so have you started your big board yet? Because I know I know you kind of build it out as you kind of start growing to watch more players. And, like, obviously, you know, you're big with NFL drafts. So NBA draft is now more in full swing. Yeah. So how? first of all, how big is your board? And do you have a ranking yet on Moody and Kispert? Okay. Uh, I'm I'm yeah. building it in my head. Um, I I don't I have something on paper, but it's months old. It's it's off. Um, just like off the top of my head, looking at it, Cunningham, Suggs, Mobley, Green, Kuminga, and that is where it gets tough. They both night. No. <laughs> um, I would probably have Moody in the 8 to 10 range, and I'd probably have Kispert in the 10 to 12 range. That's pretty fair. I, I think that's actually all completely fair. If you look at, like, I, I don't know. like Those guys are both going to pan out. There's a very good chance they're both top 10 players, and you have them right in that window. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I guess that's it, right? Yep. All yeah. right, so we'll be good episode. Um, next week we said we'll tackle, who do we say? Book night, uh, and then we'll we'll come up with another guy to – and a mystery player, a player to be named later. Um, yes, quite literally. <laughs> so uh, go ahead and follow Richard at Mavs Draft. Check out the website, MavsDraft.com. Uh, check out the Locked On Draft podcast where he does some work as well. Um, geez, you're all over the place, man. Anything else I'm missing? No, but uh, follow Jared at Jared underscore Cats 30. Nice. own handle. <laughs> Follow Richard's Pinterest. There's some interesting <laughs> stuff on his Pinterest board. Follow all my burners while you're at it, too. And then, uh, yeah, that's that's what I got. <laughs> all right. So uh, thank you guys so much for listening. Uh, five stars. Nice reviews would be would be nice. We'll bake you cookies or something. Hey, get us to number one. <laughs> get us in the top, like, 600. Get us in the top 600, and, and we'll be happy. <laughs>
Um, all right. Again, thank you for listening and we'll talk to you guys next time.